Hey, and thanks for tuning in to the Father's House podcast. The Father's House exists to see people discover life in Jesus. We hope that today's message brings you fresh life and renewed hope as you listen. Enjoy. Come on, are you guys good this morning? Woo! Hey, I saw some new faces out there. I think there's some people visiting from out of town, visiting family. Come on, I heard somebody's here from, is it Vermont? No? Vancouver. Maybe somebody else is here from Vermont. Well, welcome all the way from Vancouver. Hey, happy to have you this morning. We actually have some friends in town hanging out with us, and uh, we joked because their children, Mark, I'm going to bust them out because they're not even in the room. Um, Their children were so excited last time they came to visit us at our church because they were like, I'm so excited to hear my old youth pastor, Pastor Tim, preach. And then they got here, and it was me speaking. And they're like, oh, oh, that's cool, too. That's cool, too. And then they showed up. They stayed the night at our house last night. And they were like, I I know the boys were like, oh, this time, this time, I'll finally get to hear Pastor Tim again. It's been like a year. And I'm like, hey, boys, guess what? I'm preaching again. You got to get off my schedule. Like, it's a schedule. But they're not even here. They left. No, one of them got sick, so praise God for mom taking care of them. But I'm happy uh, to have you. I spilt water on this, so just please don't mind me as I do this. Guys, there's something else I want to point out. It's warm in here. I could have cried this morning when I came in. 13 weeks in, we finally figured out the heat system. Like, praise the Lord. People I know came, like, literally went out and bought warmer coats. Not for the outside, but for church. Like, last weekend, I literally was sitting there, and I'm totally paying attention to you preaching, babe, I promise. Totally paying attention, but I'm doing this, and I have my hands underneath my legs, and I'm, like, shivering. I'm, like, I think my toes are blue. So praise the Lord for a heater that works. If you don't get anything out of the message today, at least you'll be comfy and cozy in this room this morning. Well, I want to welcome you, and we're in the middle of this series, Let There Be Light. Uh, I want to read our central verse for this series. It's John 1.5. It says, Jesus is the light that, that shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. Well, last week we talked about the fact that Jesus is the fulfillment of God's original intention when he said, let there be light. And it's in this Christmas story where light has entered into a dark world and darkness can never, ever extinguish that light. Come on, last week it was an amazing word and um, I want to add to that this week. And by the way, if you weren't here, we want you to be able to follow along with what we feel God is speaking to our church in this season. So you can check that out online um, on our YouTube channel or on our podcast and stay up to date with what what we've been talking about. So today I want to add to what Tim talked about last week. And I want to look at a couple of scriptures that talk about the effect that the the light of God has on our lives. Uh, If you have a Bible, who brings their Bible to church? Got your Bible? 
Hey. Hey, if you don't have a Bible, maybe you're new to church, we have free Bibles for you. So go out into the lobby at our Connect area. We want to give you a free Bible this morning if you don't have one. Turn with me to 2 Corinthians 4, 6. It's going to be up on the screen, but you can turn there as well. 2 Corinthians 4, 6. It says, for God who said, let there be light in the darkness, has made this light shine in our hearts so we could know the glory of God that is seen in the face of Jesus. See, oftentimes the Bible talks about light, talks about um, the light of God, and it's synonymous for the glory of God. This same light that we here talked about, we sang about it this morning, it's synonymous for the glory of God. And there's this imagery that God uses that this light, it's an omitting light. God's glory is this omitting light. And I want to dive into this this morning and see how this glory of God, this omitting light can affect our lives. Will you guys pray with me this morning as we dive in? Father, I thank you so much first for the warm room. Just praise God for that. We just thank you. We give you all the praise and the honor and the glory for the warm room alone. But we also love that you are here in this place. God, we thank you that you don't um, just have us gather so we could maybe talk about facts of who you are, but you gather so that you can meet with your people, so that you can shine your presence on us, so we can draw closer to you. So this morning, I pray our hearts to be open as we dive into your word, and I pray, Jesus, that you would speak to us in your name. Amen. Amen. So we're going to camp out. I just read a verse out of 2 Corinthians, but we're going to move back a chapter and we're going to camp out in a certain portion of scripture for the remainder of our time. Um, they're going to put this up on the screen. We're going to look at 2 Corinthians 3.18. It says, when the veil is removed and we can see, when the veil is removed, we can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord who is the Spirit makes us more and more like him as we're changed into his glorious image. The first part of this verse talks about this veil. It says when this veil is removed, we're able to see the glory of God. But before the veil can be removed, it's like it's blocking us. It's blocking our view. It's blocking our connection to God. In 2 Corinthians 4.4, 4, it says that Satan, who is the God of this world, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. So they're unable to see the glorious news, the glorious light of the good news. So this light, or the, it, it's blocking this light. It's blocking the glory of God. We can't see it when there's this veil in front of our eyes. So how do we remove this veil that it talks about? We remove this veil by doing what a number of us in this room have done. By believing that Jesus is the son of God, that he died for our sins. And all of a sudden, when we have that revelation, this omitting light hits our life for the first time. Like, oh, well, did I, should I be an opera singer? What do you think? Let me try that one more time. Oh, wow, I'm good. For the first time, all of a sudden, when we make that decision and we, we realize and have that revelation, all of a sudden we see the light of God for the first time. And no longer is there a veil separating us from seeing who God truly is. But the problem for many people is that they stop at that one revelation. 
They maybe get that revelation that Jesus is who he says he is, that he's a savior of the world. And they're like, that's incredible. They make that decision maybe sitting in a church service like this. And then they walk out of church. Maybe they come back a few weeks later. And they have this vision of Jesus again. They see the light again. Like, oh, it's real. He's real. But then they walk out of church again. And all of a sudden, their Christian walk, their Christian journey is contingent on their church attendance. Because this is the only place that they see the light. This is the only space that they have that understanding. Or it's the person who, uh, when they were young, maybe they're, they're older in their, their years now, and they're like, when I was young, I made... I, I prayed a prayer when I was young. Like, I'm good. I'm good. I prayed a prayer when I was young. Like, I got my God fill. Like, I got my light fill. And that's where they leave it. But the moment that we have our eyes open of the revelation of who God is, and we see that light, and we have an understanding, we're not supposed to keep it there. It's not supposed to stop at that one revelation. Christianity isn't about seeing a light one time. Christianity is a lifelong process. The Bible talks about it and says that it's a process of sanctification that we walk through. Sanctification means that there's a change taking place inside of us. And it's a lifelong journey. Sanctification and that change looks like me handing God my darkness and him giving me light. It looks like me handing God my bad and him giving me good. It's this exchange that regularly takes place. And there's a couple thoughts that I want to unpack in this verse because I think that it's pertinent for us to understand this in order to walk out a successful Christian life. The amplified version of this verse uses the word continual. Can you guys say continual? It's continual. It means that it's something repetitive. It happens over and over and over again. So you can't just see the light one time. You can't just see the light every once in a while. But it's a consistent thing. In order for change to take place, we have to be in the light consistently. It's why I can't just read my Bible one time. Last week, Tim talked about how the Bible, the word, is like a flashlight for our life. That I got to open it up every day because I'm blind without it. I don't know where I'm going. I don't know where to direct it. It's why I can't just read my Bible one time and like, I'm good. But it's something that's consistent. I got to go to the word every day. I got to go back. I don't know about you, but I need this. Maybe your life is perfect, but I get frustrated with people sometimes. I get frustrated with my own children consistently. So I need the consistency of the word. I need the consistency of the light in my life regularly. It goes on to say that the Lord who is the spirit makes us more and more like him as we're changed into his glorious image. This word transformed, this change, it means transformed. And studying out what this means, I realized that the word transformed was the same word that was used in a story that we read in the gospel. 
Um, it's in Mark chapter 9. It's in different books of the gospel. We'll read this account of one day where Jesus is with his disciples. He's got 12 disciples, but he, th- he takes three that are closest to him. He takes Peter, James, and John, and he's like, hey, guys, I want you to come with me. We're going to go for a hike. How many of you like to hike in the room? Just me? <clears throat> You can recommend the good places to go hiking. Why do we hike? Do we hike for exercise? We can get exercise in a gym, right? I'm asking you questions. You can talk back. It's fine. It's not scary. We hike not necessarily for exercise, but I hike to go up the mountain to see a view, to see something amazing that I can't see down below. And Peter, James, and John go on this hike with Jesus. They, you know, grab their tevas and their camel packs, and they start heading up this mountain with Jesus. Now, when they get up there, I bet the the boys, the disciples, were like, cool, you're going to take us up to the mountain to show us this incredible view, to show us something we can't see from down below. But when they get up there, after they're, like, done huffing and puffing, and you know how it is, you get up, and you're like, I've made it. So they make it to the top of the mountain, and they see something, something happens that they didn't expect. Jesus, who I imagine was wearing like a camel-colored, brownish-colored cloak, because it probably came from an animal, right? So he's got this brownish-colored cloak on, and his tevas, of course. But he's dusty from the journey, right? Because we just hiked up a mountain. So his clothes are probably dusty. There's probably some dirt on his clothes. But it says when they got up to the top of the mountain that all of a sudden, something changed. That Jesus began to transfigure. He began to transform and change. And it said that his cloak all of a sudden wasn't the color it used to be, but it was a bright, white, gleaming, like brighter than mom can like bleach your Clorox favorite white t-shirt bright. It's this amazingly bright white cloak. And it wasn't just his clothes that were shining, but his face was shining. It was radiant. There was a light coming from him. His hair, his eyes, his hands, his entire being was this radiant, glorious brightness that the disciples saw transform right before their eyes. And what was it? What were the disciples seeing? They were seeing the glory light of God. They were seeing God's holiness on display in Jesus. The disciples got a glimpse of his glory light in who he is. The glory light of God is everything that makes God God. It's all of his characteristics. It's his love. It's his goodness. It's his grace. It's his mercy. It's all the authority that he has of heaven and earth. The God of glory, the glory light was standing before them because all of, all of his brightness and the glory is all contained in his glory. All of his brightness and all of his goodness, everything is contained right there in his glory. And the disciples got a glimpse of that. And he shone radiantly. It was incredible. This wasn't like, oh, you know, this was just a normal hike. This was incredible what they were seeing. And I think that God intentionally had them write this down in scripture so that Peter, James, and John couldn't just keep it to themselves. 
They kept it to themselves for a little while. But it says that this glorious transformation happened. And I think God was strategic in having us read this. Why? Why, Robin? Why do we need to read this? Because the same word of transformation that happened to Jesus, the Bible says the same transforming power happens to us when we draw near him. When we begin to draw near him, to spend time with him, to spend time near him, whether I'm reading my Bible at home alone, whether I'm coming in this room and worshiping corporately with you, or whether I'm worshiping in the car by myself, or whether I am praying and seeking his face, it says that there is a glory transfer that happens. See, it hurts my heart sometimes when Christianity is thrown in the same bucket as other religions. When it's thrown in the same bucket as self-help groups or, you know, different things that we can do to try and better ourselves, Christianity is not a program. Christianity is not a moral discipline to better ourselves. It's the opportunity to have the radical transforming power of the God of the universe to come into our lives. And I think the enemy would, would get us to dumb it down. Like, oh, that's sweet you're spending time with the Lord. That's sweet that you're, you're having some secret place time before you get up and go to work. You wake up at 5 and you wake up at 4.30 to read your Bible. Oh, how cute. No. This is the transforming power of the God of the universe, the creator of the heavens, the creator of earth. And then it's available to you and I. God doesn't say I keep all my heaven, my, my glory up in heaven. We maybe won't, we don't see the fullness of it here on earth, but he shows us portions and portions of his glory get on the inside of us when we draw near him. Come on. I don't want, I want a desire to live in that light, to take full opportunity of what he's shown us our lives could look like. It's been about a year since uh, we've lived in San Francisco. We moved on January 26th of last year. And man, I love the foggy sunset. I never thought I'd say that I loved the fog, but it's grown on me. I love waking up in the morning and seeing the fog dance by my window. I love going for a jog and breathing in the, the foggy air that keeps me cool when I run so I can run a little bit further. But I gotta say, I'm still a child of the sun. I love sunshine. Can I get a witness? Thank you, winter, for coming and bringing the sun back. Here we are. I love the sun. I'm the person who's like, you know, finding that little pocket of sun or I'm in my backyard and when there's a sliver of sun, I'm like putting my face in it. Like, I don't care about the sunspots. I just need the vitamin D, please, please. I love laying on the beach. I love getting a tan. I've got Native American skin. I can get tan. I know I look pasty white right now. But I enjoy the sun. Yet we know that in the winter months when there's uh, less sunlight hours that many of us get a little pasty, right? Mm-hmm. Got to change the color of my foundation. We've stepped down a notch. But there's always those, th those people that you see who are tan, no matter if it's December or January or February or been raining for months, and you're like, 
did you just get back from vacation? I'm like, no, no, I never, I haven't left the city. I'm like, wow, you look like you just got back from Maui. That's incredible. The people who are tan all year long. And here's the thing. These people have found a secret. It's called the tanning booth. <laughs> Come on, don't lie. Ladies, you've been there one time? Yeah, maybe a few. I did when I was a teenager until my dad was like, you are going to get grounded if you go to the tanning bed. It's not good for you. But these people have figured out the secret. There's a tanning booth. They could go every single day and they can lay under the bright lights of the tanning bed. They can lay there for 10 minutes, some people 20 minutes, and they can get a nice glow. Their, their skin begins to tan the longer they go. They can look in the mirror and they're like, look at you, look at you. You're looking so good. You got a nice glow. I don't see those wrinkles as much anymore. I don't see that cellulite as much anymore. They found the secret. Now, while I would never advocate going to a tanning salon and um, increases, increasing the chances of skin cancer, I think that these people, we can take a little bit of direction from them. You know, they go and they lay in the light every day. They figured out the secret. They look in the mirror after time and they see that something has changed. Come on, as we spend time in the light, we begin to look in the mirror and go, wow, I'm a little different than I used to be. I'm looking a little better than I used to be. The cool part about that is not only do we see the difference when we look in the mirror, but other people can see the difference inside of us. They see our tan skin. They see that something has changed. Where am I? Here I am, Lord. Here I am. <laughs> Ultimately, we've seen the light. So we see the light for the first time, and then we submit ourselves regularly under the light. And then we begin to reflect the light. It's like looking in a light. It's like looking in a mirror. Here's my mirror. I used this this morning to get ready. Oh, can I open it? It's like looking in a mirror. Hi, Robin. There you are. It's like looking in a mirror, being submitted under this light. There's the light of the Lord. There it is. It's like looking in a mirror. We can see the glory light reflect off this mirror and shine on our faces. And I think that we can see, not only can we see that difference when we gaze in the mirror, but other people see it. It says that our good deeds should shine before people. They should shine before them. They should see the difference inside of us. Oh, you're a Christian? You're a, you shouldn't have to tell them you're a Christian. They should see your good deeds shining before them. Take Christmas, for example. This is the time of year where we're more generous with our finances, where we give people presents that we would never give them all year long. We give people that we don't even know presents. Maybe there's a family that can't afford to buy their kids any gifts, and you give them gifts to buy their kids presents. We partner with different outreach organizations as we have. We're more generous in this season. We're more full of joy. We turn on the Christmas music, and we're like, I was like tap dancing out front because there was Christmas music on. Like, we're more jolly. 
We're more excited. Yet, God didn't call us to act this way in just one season. He said, this is how you should be acting all year long. That it's not just this season, but the reflection of Christ, people should see it on you. Other people should experience that. Yet some of us grab this mirror and we begin to gaze in the mirror at ourselves. Robin, this new haircut's looking good. Really accentuates your jawline. And that new face cream, look at it. Like it's really doing wonders for your wrinkles. We begin to gaze in the mirror and we begin to look at ourselves. Look at our accomplishments. Man, the degrees that I've gotten that I'm not even using, I just have them there to tell people. How successful I am at work, that I'm climbing the corporate ladder, that I'm on my way. Man, look at all my glory. Look at all the things I've accomplished. Look how incredible I am. And we begin to gaze at our own glory. Or there's the people that gaze and they know that they could have some glory, but instead they look. They're like, you're worthless. You haven't done anything with your life. What do you have to show for it? And they begin to gaze at their reflection. This verse God didn't say gaze at your own reflection. In fact, when we begin to gaze at our own reflection, what do we do? You know, our American culture would tell us to look at ourselves, to look at our own reflection, to better ourselves. Do you know that we spend over $10 billion on self-help books in this nation? It's all about getting better, being a better version of myself. Well, I agree with that. I believe that the roadmap in order to get there can be so deceiving and wrong because it means that so many of us do this and we block out the light of God. When God said, tilt the mirror, Begin to reflect my glory. Begin to let my character get on you. Without Jesus, without the consistency of my relationship and my drawing near him, I am a sad individual. If you know the Robin or knew the Robin apart, I'm sure I'd have good things about me. But man, before Jesus, I was lost. And even when I finally saw the glory light of Jesus, I didn't begin to change until I consistently got here. Where his character could get on me. Where I knelt before him and I said, God, I don't know how to do this by myself. And he's like, daughter, come here. I'd open up my word and I'd begin to read about his characteristics and who he was and all of a sudden. The anxiety that I was feeling, the anxiousness about tomorrow turned to peace. Because I started to understand he's the prince of peace. And that glory light began shining on my face. Man, are you depressed in this season? Are you going through it? Are you walking through a tough time? I believe in counseling. I got a good counselor I can recommend. 
But are you consistently coming before Jesus, the one who says, I will give you beauty for ashes. I will give you joy where there's been depression, where there's been mourning. His character begins to get on me. Says that there are these fruits of his spirit. I named a couple. There's peace. There's joy. Are you frustrated with your coworker? Are you frustrated with your kids again? I'm going to give you patience. I'm going to give you a kindness that you wouldn't, you wouldn't have on your own, but you begin to become like me. You reflect my image and my character. I'm going to give you goodness. You don't know how to love those around you. You don't know how to love those who are hard to love. I'm going to give you my love. And his character begins to reflect. We begin to reflect it as we draw near him. Come on, this isn't a journey of coming in and out of church and only seeing his glory light when Guilherme lifts up his voice and begins to sing. Praise God that we get some of it here. But it's a consistency of opening my word and drawing near him. Tim challenged us last week. He said, spend 20 minutes a day in your word and I guarantee you it'll change your life. Are you doing that? Did you take that challenge? Come on, spend time drawing near him. Don't have 20 minutes? Give him five. Draw near him. Band, you guys can come. It's when we draw near him consistently that we begin to reflect who he is. And we don't just get to hold on to all of that ourselves, but people get to see that light shining from us. When we first moved to San Francisco, I realized that there was a nice little shopping mall right over here. Um, sufficient, right? Like downtown's amazing. But I'm like, thank you that I can go pick up a shirt at Zara. This is fantastic. I've never lived so close to a mall before. So I go into uh, the mall and I'm shopping in Zara. And <clears throat> I go up to the counter to pay for my items. And the cashier says, something to me. He says, you look bright. And I was like, excuse me? He's like, you look bright. And I'm like, well, there's LED panel lights. Like, ever been in Zara? And you're like, I'm so blinded by this. Like, I can't look at the screen. Can't look at the screen that's happening behind you. He said, no, you look, you look bright. I like see brightness coming off of you. He saw something in me that's there this brightness of who I am shining before him. I've had that comment made to me a few times here. And it's not because I, I smile. It's not just because I'm friendly. People catch something on the inside of me. I don't say that to boast. I hope you know that your pastors spend time in their word and spend time near Jesus. But people see it inside of us. They see it in the way that we live our lives, in how we treat our spouse, how we treat our kids, how we treat our neighbors. They see it on us. They see the way that we respond to a difficult situation at work. That it's not me 
It's the light illuminating from my life. It's the glory of God that as I draw near him, gets settled on me and it bounces out to them. I wanna close with this story. Actually, I wanna tell you a little bit about that glory light. Um, it's funny when you read your Bible and you read some of these things, you're like, that's incredible. Um, but the average you know, person might say, okay, cool, like I met Jesus. So that sounds kind of boring to like read your Bible over and over or to worship over and over. The cool thing about God is that his glory is so magnificent. It's so big. Says that we will only see a portion of his glory. We will only see glimpses until the fullness of heaven. But did you know that he wants to give you glory every day? It's not just a one time. It's not just a repetitive of he's gonna show you the same thing over and over again. Do you know that I've read verses in my Bible dozens upon dozens of times? And do you know that when I read it, there's new facets of him that are revealed to me when I read that portion of scripture or when I study it out? I could, I could sing the same worship song every single day of my life and there's new revelation that God wants to give me. There's new facets of his character that he wants to show me. There's different parts of him that he wants to show me how he loves me. It's not a boring thing. It's incredible. And the more you do it, the more you want to do it. It's a craving that you begin to have of, I've got to see what God is saying for today. I love this quote from Bonhoeffer. He says, while it is good that we seek to know the Holy One, it's probably not so good to presume that we ever complete the task. The Bible says that we go from glory to glory. His glory light shines and his glory light shines and it keeps on coming. He takes us from one space to another and he wants to reveal himself to us more and more every day. I loved talking to my grandfather when he was on his deathbed because he's like, I know I'm gonna go, but man, his goodness is here on this earth. He'd, I'd hear him read scripture with such conviction and he'd, he'd settle on it like it was a weight, like soaking into his spirit. He was an old man when he passed away, yet he never tired of drawing near and listening to what God had to say to him that day. Come on, let's not tire of reflecting the light of him when we draw near his glory light and who he is. Now I'll close with this story. <laughs> a few years back, Tim and I were talking about the revelation of this portion of scripture about the incredible thing that happens when we draw near him and we seek his face. A couple days later after this conversation, Tim was on his way to Southern California to preach at a church down there. And he called me on the phone. I remember he was so excited. He said, I realized something. I was driving and I kept passing these sunflower fields and I passed another sunflower field and finally it dawned on me that these sunflowers, they, they rise with the sun. They like imitate the sun. Now further investigation of the sunflower 
give you some fun facts here. The sunflower gets its radiance and its beauty from the object that it beholds, the sun. It does this really strange thing called heliotropism, where it follows the movement of the sun from sunrise in the east to sunset in the west. It keeps its motion going with the sun and it follows it everywhere it goes. When the sun goes down, you see sunflowers hang their heads because they refuse to look at anything else. There might be good things around them. There might be things that could look glorious, but they refuse to look at anything else but their creator, the one who they are named after, the one whose image that they bear. They refuse to look at anything else. I want my life to look like that. I wanna behold the glory of Jesus so much that I become radiant like him to refuse to look at anything else except my creator and to never draw tired of following after him, of drawing near him, of reflecting who he is. Come on this morning, God's asking us and reminding us of who he is. He says, imitate me in this, draw near me, be my reflection not just to hold it to yourself, to, to take it into your workplace, but to take it into your home, to your kids who don't know Jesus, to raise them in a godly way, not with your own ideas, but reflecting his image and who he is. Come on, bow your heads with me this morning. I wanna pray for you. I wanna pray for two groups of people. First, I wanna pray for those of you in the room that hear me talk about this Jesus, this glorious Jesus, who's the savior of the world, that he came to save our souls, not to leave us in darkness. If you're in the room this morning and you've never made a decision to follow him, you've never said, Jesus, I want you to be Lord of my life. I wanna give you an invitation to do that this morning. The rest of us are gonna pray with you so you're not alone in this. The Bible's clear, it says all you have to do is believe in your heart and confess with your mouth. That's how you start the relationship with him. So we're gonna pray with you. Church, will you lift this up with me and say, Jesus, you are the Lord of my life. I give you all of me. I believe who you say you are and I wanna walk with you all my days. Take my life. I thank you for giving yours for mine. And I follow you forever. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Keep your heads bowed. If you prayed that prayer, will you just do me a favor? Simply lift up your hand. Not necessarily for me. Come on. All right. I see you guys over there on this side. Come on. Amazing. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God, I see you over there. Come on, this is a sign, a declaration of you saying, Jesus, I'm gonna follow you. And I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna leave it at this light, this simple moment where I say, I wanna, I wanna follow after you. I don't leave it here, but I wanna follow you all the days of my life. I wanna dig into my word and find out who you are. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, can we celebrate with those who've lifted their hands? Come on.
I'm gonna make you bow your head one more time because I wanna pray something over you. And I wanna give you an opportunity to respond to God this morning. Come on. Father, right now over every person in this room, whatever journey we're on, however close we feel or how far and distant we feel from you, I thank you that there's an opportunity this morning to say, I wanna know you a little more. Thank you, God, that you draw us near, not with a condemnation, but you draw us near with a revelation of who you are. And if that's you this morning, you say, Jesus, I just wanna follow after you more, not to have a list of rules, but to know you more. I wanna know you more. I want your glory light to shine on me so I can walk like you and talk like you and be a representation of who you are so that you can heal things in my life so that you can give me your lightness for my darkness that I've been carrying so that I can walk into my workplace so I can lead my family well. If you'd say that this morning, I just say and I make this commitment to wake up and choose you first. Come on, not for me, but for Jesus. I just want you to lift your hands towards heaven and say, I'm gonna follow you more than I did yesterday. God, I'm gonna take the opportunity to know you more than I did yesterday. God, you see us, I have my hands lifted. God, I wanna know who you are, the facets of who you are as our great King and God. God, thank you that we get to worship you one day forever in heaven, but we, We do not neglect worshiping you and following after you with all of who we are right now. God, we give you our hearts, we give you our lives all the more. And I thank you, Jesus, for what you're gonna do. Thank you for the radical things that you're gonna do over the lives of the people, the radical transformation that you're doing inside of us. Come on, we love you, Jesus. Come on, in his name, amen, amen. Hey, thanks for taking the time to listen to the Father's House podcast. We hope it helped you wherever you're at in your journey. And listen, we want to pray with you if you're going through something right now that's difficult. You can go to our website, tfh.church, and click on the prayer and praise link and tell us how to join you in prayer. Until next time, be blessed.